Hello and welcome to the Stripping the Dipping podcast. You're joined by your usual co-host, AMG Dance, aka the MDM, the modern day Morgan Freeman. You love the smooth voice of the guy, the normal guy, I should say, from North London, as Georgina hates to admit. But either way, you know, I'm normal, but on the other side of the spectrum, we have some really special guests in the building because we've not got one, we've got two. We've got two for the price of one on this very legendary episode. I've got two amazing guests that have both their individual YouTube channels, which makes some amazing content, you know, have access into stuff that, you know, we still at the Stripping the Dipping podcast would love to have one day, but we're getting there, we're getting there. But as always, it's nice to be brightened amongst the stars. So without further ado, I've got Liam Talks Motorsport in here, and I also have Miles on the grid. Guys, how's it going? Yeah, good to be here. Thank you both so much. I oh, echo excellent. my I echo Miles' thoughts. I, I don't know why I was waving, but I was thinking like I'm on camera or something. But was... <laughs> <laughs> it's just for Spotify. It's just for Spotify. Uh, uh, I... Soon, Liam, we'll probably have like a visual one or interactive one on YouTube too, man. So what is you know what is testing the the asphalt? But uh, for sure, I'm sure we'll get a visual one coming up in a couple of uh, in months as well. You know, towards the end of the season too, because there's just so much even beyond this episode that I think we'll have stuff to talk about and have in common with. Nice. Exciting. Exciting. And even must say, man, you've got, a, you've got a great show as well. Like, I've been following you for a little bit, so keep it up. Man. Um, yeah. Thanks. I'm trying to follow yeah, in your footsteps, you. if I can use that old adage. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I do not know how you guys are able to, like, commit to doing, like, a podcast. Like, I did three episodes, and now I'm just, like, I, I, I don't have time for it anymore. Ah, oh, the perks of being a, a student at school, I guess. But, uh... <laughs> Ooh, I don't quite hear that quote. <laughs> exa- exams and everything. Ah, oh, they're a pain, pain in the backside. But, uh... All worth it, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Liam. Because, you know, like, education is always key. And of course, as well, you know, once you go through school, man, I'm telling you, it, it doesn't get any easier, bro. Like the world of work can be a cool place. And, you know, when you're on the Shipping the Dipping podcast, you've got to record maybe like 10 episodes just to get one Ben and Jerry's ice cream out of Georgina. So <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> but, you know, um, I mean, are, are, are you, you picking uh, chocolate fudge brownie or uh, caramel choo-choo or uh, cookie dough? Uh, what, 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 what's your, what's your a... pick? Man, I would say I'm a caramel chew kind of cookie dough guy, man. But how about you guys? I'm I'm a half baked, half baked between like chocolate fudge brownie and um cookie dough. They have like these half baked um stuff, so you can like buy them from my local farm foods. Um, that's the cheapest hey. place to go and get them. <laughs> cheapest place to get them as and Tesco are a nightmare. Um, but um, yeah, they're very nice. I I love both both caramel, not caramel chew chew cookie dough and um. Chocolate brownie. You of know course, what, like me, the flavor of the people. And Miles, you, you as well. What's your I'm, flavor? I'm not a mad um, ice cream person, just because like it's, it's way too. Boo! Uh, I know, I don't get any of that. But when I do, it's either cookie dough, um, Ben and Jerry's, or you know that when the NS is on sale, like in the Audi mm-hmm. Mill, and you get it for like a quid. Yeah, that's me. I'm there. Like like Mr. Kipling and stuff like that. Oh goodness! Don't even get me started. I'm gonna start. You're not making me hungry. Here. Yeah, you <laughs> me hungry, and this is supposed to be like a, a motorsport podcast as well. Yeah. What you guys have made a, made us do. Wow, okay, but oh uh, man, well, I mean, that was a really legendary intro, I must say so. But like to actually give our viewers as well some context about 
the amazing individuals that both you guys are. I'm actually going to start with you, Miles. You know, could you give us just like, you know, some insight into like where you're from, you know, about your YouTube channel and what were your earliest motorsport and F1 memories growing up and favorite driver as well? Oh, um, okay, cool. Hi, everyone. I'm Miles. Uh, just sort of turn on the YouTube voice for a second. Uh, um, my channel is really just about speaking to interesting people around the paddock really so like journalists um people on twitter instagram really trying to get like a different viewpoint so looking at some historical stuff not as cool as what liam does um with, with jim clark looking at some historical takes looking at different elements of a race as opposed to mm -hmm. always doing a race review um just because i don't have time anymore <laughs> but always trying to find out what's the hottest take that we can look at from a slightly different angle um I think in terms of earliest motorsport memory, it's probably, ooh, that's a good question. I think it was probably Schumacher in 2002, if I'm honest. Red car, my dad sat me down in front of a cable TV, the cable and wireless back in the day. Um, but that was probably my earliest memory. And where my dad worked at the time, there was the car in the um, lobby of his building. So whenever I'd go and see him at work, it was just there and it sort of piqued my interest. So that's that's pretty much it. Ah, it's a really awesome time as well, Miles. And similar kind of experience for me too. Like I remember my dad sitting me in front of the TV and you know, just seeing the red car on TV yeah. and it was the legendary Michael Schumacher. And man, just that era of V10 engines, you know, just like the Tafosi and man, oh, it was a great time to be alive, man. <laughs> no, nothing beats a Ferrari of that era with, with a V10. Like, even now, you go to Central London and stuff, and you hear a V10 or a V12, you're just like, you know what? Well, for me, I, I want petrol, but I can understand the electric thing. But anyway, enough about me. I'll, I'll pass that over to you. <laughs> of course. And also, we have Liam. So, Liam, you know, I know you gave us an amazing intro, too. But similar questions for you as well, man. Where are you based? And, you know, tell us more about your individual channel as well, because you've had some really interesting videos and, and kind of access to things that, you know, we don't normally see, which is great. And what are your earliest, like, F1 memories or motorsport memories, along with your favourite driver, which are, I can imagine probably has the initials JC, and that's not for Jeremy <laughs> Clarkson either. <laughs> no, Jeremy Clarkson is uh, is a legend, though. Um, <laughs> but um, you guys, your guys are making me feel like I'm a baby. Like, you guys are talking about, like, V10 era. For context, um, the closest I ever came to V10 was when I was in my mum's womb and um the torosso was restricted on power in 2006 with a v10 engine so i see what I, you did there <laughs> so i i wasn't even born like when like when i the year i was born was when there was no the first year there was no v10s on the grid and it was just v8s um but uh, i'm based um in between the sort of cities of dundee and, and perth in scotland um and I'll I'll start off by just doing the 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 childhood memory and uh, my 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 favorite driver of all time, even though I was minus thirty nine when he died, Jim Clark. Um, but in terms of like during my lifetime, it would be, and I'm not just saying this because I met him, but I Sebastian Vettel, because I've got a, like a sort of similar story to you guys where I actually used to support Ferrari. Um, during the sort of era of Alonso and later, obviously, Vettel. Um, yeah. And then my journalist um, aspirations kicked in and, and I, I sort of just lost interest for Ferrari, um, naturally. 
but um, I guess like many Tifosi they have over the years due to the up and uh, the ups and downs of the team. But um, my my earliest memory would probably be uh, the last race where Kvyat was in the Red Bull and he punted um, Vettel into the barriers at turn uh, three at Sochi. Um, or the yeah at, at turn three and um my youtube channel is well i'm not on it as much because like i said i've got um tests and exams and things like that but um i usually make videos um classic videos um talking about guys like jim clark or Ayrton senna or and you know talking about past things and um, I'm not really doing as much stuff on my YouTube channel as such. I'm more writing um, articles for Formula Nerds or for someone else. Um, sometimes even just writing um, scripts for YouTube videos that should never get uploaded, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, um, that's just sort of a, a quick bio of, of what my stuff is. That's really awesome, Liam. And again, like, you know, I don't want to make it sound like an age gap thing either, man, because like, again, like you, you're kind of so mature beyond your years as well. And, you know, you've kind of seen some of the stuff me and Miles have seen as well. But, you know, Miles, you probably have a similar thing to me as well. I wish I was as productive as Liam was when I was his age as well, because, you know, to have the ability to write, you know, like um, scripts or stories and, and to actually be so engaged with the sport at that particular age as well, yeah, it, you know, yeah. it just means that, you know, there's just a whole landscape of things you can go on to do in terms of journalism or presenting or hosting. And, you know, for sure, I think I want to sign a petition to have Liam as like one of the hosts on Sky Sports F1 because hey, hey, from now, I mean, amazing. I mean, that's the thing. I actually know like the, the senior assistant producer is Sky, um, Neil Wooding, because he follows me on Twitter. So that maybe it's possible. Hey. Maybe it's possible. Who knows? Who knows? But um, that's that's for the future. At the moment, I'm focused on school and everything, so um, things are a bit more focused on that end. But I think the the reason why I'm so sort of um, mature, as you call it, is probably because I've been I've been raised right, and you know I think I'm a bit different to a lot of the other people at my school, where I'm a lot more, like you said, a bit more mature. But um, I. I'm actually like I'm not a very productive person actually you know during these holidays because it's holidays in Scotland at the moment I've been doing absolutely nothing um so and I've, been, I've been sitting in my room playing video games all day rather than you know writing scripts for videos I, I've, I've wrote an article and I've done I've done my sort of thing that I've needed to do in the past few weeks but I've I'm, I'm not a very productive person but yeah Liam's still still more productive than me, man. Yeah, like cool. I, I I like you know play play games, but I try and disguise it as you know me being in the simulator. So that's yeah. my excuse. <laughs> that's my excuse basically for just playing like video games at my age. But no, like you know, like I think we all relate to that as well. And it's amazing just to get that perspective too. So to kick things off, guys, you know, I mean let's just i'm gonna give you guys like lots of hypotheticals and also well we explain it to the the listeners as well towards the end of this uh podcast we're gonna rank all 20 of the drivers from like worst to best in terms of their season performance and what me liam and miles try and do is like collaboratively agree on that running order so that's gonna be a lot of fun but to kick off like the interactive questions i want to like set the scene for both of you guys imagine you can enter your own formula one team 
and there's no cost cap, just like Red Bull. Of course. Oh. <laughs> oh. Shots, shots. Be be careful, mate. You might be getting a a a, Def- a, le- a letter for, a, yeah, a letter, for, letter from Red Bull soon. Uh, yeah, man. We, we we like to live dangerously on this podcast, but you're right, Liam. Before I get a, a you know um a lawsuit for for defamation, <laughs> let's just say allegedly, like a certain energy drinks team, you don't have a cost cap, you know. So money is no Whoa. object, and you can sign any two drivers of your choice. And bear in mind, like obviously, reality is reality, and there's unfortunately some drivers that aren't with us today. But just imagine in in an immortal world where legendary drivers cannot be forgotten or die which in, in a way kind of is the case um you get to pick two of your star drivers for your own formula one works team who would you pick and why i'm actually going to start with liam first on this one so liam who are the two drivers you'd pick you know if you're entering your own formula one team into the sport well, um, I just want to very quickly say, first of all, that yesterday I, I made a tweet about um, there was a video of Jim Clark um, on a on a Twitter account, and I reposted it saying that the only person that comes close to him is Senna, and I got a lot of pelters for it, but I would pick Jim Clark and Ayrton Senna as my two drivers. I'd pick Jim Clark because there are so many incredible stories, lowest mechanics and um, bystanders and close friends of Jim have told about him you know there, there's one example of him uh where a Lotus mechanic um you could always tell out of the two drivers the two Lotus drivers which one of which one of the cars was jim's without even looking at the number on the car because jim was always so precise with the car that he would never even damage the car as such you know mo- in many cases you could probably enter the same car multiple races um in multiple multiple different races because probably a whole season because jim clark was such a careful driver the only reason why he had so many car problems over the years was because the lotus was a very unreliable car and another story um a lotus mechanic told was how jim said that something fell off with the car and a wheel bearing was slightly loose on the car and that just shows how how good he was treating the car but not only this you could be slow and be good with treating the car I mean, Latifi isn't, but you know. Um, <laughs> but um, but um, yeah, Jim was incredible. I'm literally watching like an onboard of him now from uh, for, uh, the the. I'm literally watching the video that I reposted about, and it's just incredible the way he's controlling the car. Back then, there was no driver aids. You had had one hand on the wheel and then the other one on the gear clutch, and he was just such a such an incredible driver. Um, most notably around Spa Francorchamps, but uh, you know, if 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 there was a calendar just full of Spa Francorchamps, Jim would, would become the first ever driver to win every single race that season. Um, but you know, he was he was a brilliant driver. And then on Senna's case, you know, Senna was, in the words of Jeremy Clarkson, Senna was just incredible every time he stepped in the car. He was incredible not only in qualifying but in the race. He was quite a, he was always on the limit. Um, Ayrton Senna. And like and like I said earlier, you know, you you can be, you can be on the limit, but you can be again like a Latifi. But Senna was different. He was built different. He was constantly pushing the limits of the car. As Martin Brundle said, you know, you'd have these Banzai qualifying laps, and everyone came to the race purely to watch him 
perform his magic on a, on a on a qualifying lap and he was so good around specific tracks and in specific conditions that he was just unstoppable um especially in the rain um and especially at monaco but you know over a whole season he was so consistent and he was such a talented driver um so those those would be the two drivers i would pick and you know with 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 senna he had he had a couple of of driver aids however he had the same thing with senna where he would have to have one hand on the steering wheel and the other on the gear clutch and he's constantly constantly moving the gear stick flat out through every corner and you know you look at videos of senna and he's constantly on the limit he's his car's constantly moving about even when it's in a straight line that shows how on the limit he was and that's how talented he was I couldn't have articulated it better, Liam. I think you, you, you like assessed both drivers in such an honest and also really amazing and reflective way that even people who well, if they don't know who they are, firstly of all, where's the internet? But secondly of all, just like you know, like again, it, you you just encapsulated that period of time so well, and you know, in particular in Jim Clark's case, like you mentioned back then, it was really, I think Formula One was still in a very agricultural place in terms of it was a lot of manual work and you didn't have computers, you didn't have simulators, you didn't have all these technological advancements that we have now. Like it was all about man and machine. And Jim Clark was that guy, you know, that was able to do it consistently and not only have just the flair on the track, but that kind of tuition with his engineers to be able to interact with them, to get the most out of them as well. And to kind of like, you know, have that, that synergy with them, which so which is so important. And then with Senna, you know, needless to say, again, just, you know, like a driver just of an entire era. And to this day, we still haven't seen somebody with his kind of flair and panache and way of finessing a car around the corner. Like you said as well, like, like almost making the car dance around Monaco, which, you know, is a bit scary because most people describe Monaco as like dry, riding a bicycle around the living room. I try not less, to do that. Let, 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 let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's say about who said that the better, but um, as, as Jarno know what me would put it, you just, just click click on the button as soon as possible. We just get straight to the race. <laughs> that clip online. No, <laughs> click, on, click on the button. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and shout out to Yana Obmer too again one of the like he's an amazing content creator obviously esports world champion in, in the F F1 kind of esports stuff as well, which is crazy. And yeah, he makes some amazing content too. So shout out to Yana, Yano. But also Miles, you know, come on, man. You have a Formula One team as well coming in. And now actually, I'm gonna make it even more harder for you. You can't pick Senna and you can't pick Jim because they've already been signed. Yeah. So damn, damn, damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Jim Jim was uh, Jim was uh, one of the top two, I can't lie. So Okay, oh, I've got an idea. Um Let's, let's start with Snow Lewis Hamilton, right? I'm not going to shy away from that one because I think he... he I know that he had sort of unlimited testing days with McLaren back in like 05 and 06, and it was a completely different era. But for him to come in and do to, dare I say, the king that beat the king, so for him to sort of become level on points with Fernando Alonso in his first year and win sort of by... Oh, and count back, if, if you count that. Um, and that man had already dethroned Michael Schumacher with a mixture of, let's say, like uh, tire changes over to Bridgestones, etc. To me, that was impressive. Like, I don't think I'd seen anyone come into the sport and just dominate, right? And yes, you had Spygate and all this stuff, but to see the resume and the CV that Lewis has put together over the last, what, 16 years, is it? 17 years? Mm -hmm. 
It's um, relentless. For six, 16 seasons, yeah, this is the 16th season in F1. 16 seasons. So. It's, it's crazy, right? You, you can't... Well, I say you can't. I personally think he's one of the greatest ever. Is he the GOAT? Jim or Lewis sort of hold that title for me. I know Senna's there as well. But he's just relentless over a pole lap. He's relentless in the race. His race pace, I think, is actually unmatched apart from Jim. Having watched some of Jim's um, uh, highlights on YouTube. And dare I say, I do think he is a master in the wet. Albeit, he's not the same driver that he used to be in the wet. But that's just me being controversial. Second driver, um, I would sign just from a pure point of aggression, would be one Pablo Montoya. Now, Ooh, I like ooh. that. Yeah, I like he, that. That's fresh. Can I can I um, can I butt in here or? Yeah, sure. Um, I would I would pick, and I'm not being like Scottish bias or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I I met him and interviewed him, not public by the way. Um, Jackie Stewart is who I would pick, and the reason why is because he picked up a lot of the traits that Jim Clark had. Yes. If you look at how the Terrell team progressed, they would have they would have been a midfield team. They would have been where ensign or shadow where yes. had jackie stewart never raced for them because what he did with them he turned a pile of crap into one of the best cars arguably ever there's a reason why he won three world championships against a team a lotus team which was in its prime because he managed along with ken tyrrell and Derek gardner to design cars which were unstoppable he is he was incredible at giving feedback um and that was why he, he was such a good driver you know that's just my opinion no i'm, I'm, I'm with you i i do think it's uh, and i'm sort of taking into account what, what you said around sort of taking the team from nothing you look at schumacher going from dare i say benetton to ferrari albeit he had a lot of aid and a lot of strong management um you look at schumacher going to mercedes <laughs> and, and dare i say even lewis going to mercedes and you look at stuart going to, to Terrell. I think why I chose Juan Pablo Montoya for me is because he displayed a level of fearlessness, which, and I mean, I, I haven't watched enough of Senna to like comment um, completely on that, I'll be honest, but he displayed a level of fearlessness, which I don't think has been seen up until about maybe when Max came into the sport. So what, 2016 um, onwards. His racing on the limit and that ability to find that extra tent is something that I think would have put him in world championship um verbi status if he was able to remain committed to f1 but also if he was able to gel with the team in the way in which we know he could have and i think from that perspective that's where i think that if Lewis hamilton Lewis is able to come into the team one pub woman so is there have to find let's say an extra two terms or an extra three terms which they didn't even know that they had from a feedback perspective i think that's Lewis would probably have to take the lead on that. I, I'm not too sure of uh, JPM's um, technical knowledge because I, I don't know that much. From a pure racing perspective, it would be an absolute dream. I mean, you look at uh, Juan Pablo and a Spa, it doesn't matter what year. It could be in 2004, it could be in 2005. The man just loved racing. You know, he would put on a stellar pole that the, the overtake that he did um, on Schumacher in 04 was ridiculous. Like, like this was unheard of at the time technically in a slower car to a degree so from my perspective that's the, the driver's that I would choose you know I'm glad you 
<laughs> well, Jim gets a shout out as well, but Miles, I think your taste there as well, man, is exemplary because, again, like, you know, when people talk about great F1 drivers of the past, I think JPM does get looked over. And just like you said as well, man, the guy had like, like, he, like he had balls of like, not even steel. There must have been magnesium or carbon fiber <laughs> or xylon or something like that, man, because the guy was just tough really really tough yeah. he was Colombia's finest i don't mean the stuff that you get illegally on boats either but you know this is just generally speaking yeah man like he he really did not fear anybody including michael schumacher i think in a way it gave him a kick that you know he could potentially challenge michael and and, and kind of rattle michael you know into some battles on track that michael probably wasn't even expecting to really accept or, or take at the time and then you mentioned this how close jpm came you know People yeah. give Adrian Newey a lot of credit for the stuff that he's done at Red Bull and obviously prior to his time at McLaren, the stuff that he achieved with uh, with Williams too. But that time at McLaren is just it's just the nearly moment because he's experimenting mm. with this kind of you know zero side pod, not zero side pod, but you know, the Coke bottle shaped Almost. chassis. The Coke and, bottle. You know, exactly. And you know, all these kind of radical experimentations which would then become like standard in formula one during kind of like Juan pablo's time so like you said it would be interesting to to see kind of in a modern day kind of format with him being in his form how he'd stack up against lewis because i think although lewis is the more well-rounded driver i think if you're just talking about raw speed and aggression yeah. and making it stick he's one of the most exciting drivers to, to watch and that's you know, been the case, I think, for on like a num numerous amount of years, you know, and it's still funny to see him jumping in the IndyCar, making a couple of uh, appearances for McLaren, even today yeah. in the IndyCar series, and doing some of the world endurance stuff too. So, absolutely. No, great choices, guys. And, you know, that brings me on to another kind of question then, because we like to be controversial on this <laughs> podcast. So, I've got a couple of them on this kind of basis. From your guys' perspective, who's the most overrated driver in f1 history mouse you're it's, gonna kick this one ah sugars yeah okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was hoping you were gonna this one. um Gee, jesus you, great now, now you put me on the spot you, you, you put me on the spot now now i'm tempted just to like throw my headphones out the window <laughs> as well as my microphone <laughs> total um, war style <laughs> no no could you imagine uh this is a podcast for me, you know. <laughs> we look <laughs> podcasting. But, sorry. Um, ooh. I'm going to be really controversial and I'm going to upset some people. Mm. And I, are we talking complete history or are we talking recent history? Man, any history, man. I just, I just want, I don't want peace, I want problems today. <laughs> okay. Um, so... Recent history, Fernando Alonso. And I respect Alonso as a as a complete driver, but as an F1 driver, I do think he's slightly overrated opinion. Um reason being is because as much as I admire what he's doing and I admire the fact that he's able to conjure up some ridiculous results or nearly results like the Australian qualifying session before his uh, I think it was his break by wire. Uh, system failed, the Canadian um, front row start, and the gap that he manages to pull on Esteban Ocon in the race, and the ability to like hold up half the grid and get him annoyed on Twitter afterwards. Um, <laughs> I... that, that's, that, was, that was his old teammate, Yarno Trulli's job back in the day for Fernando. Now Fernando's doing that. Well, <laughs> Living Trulli's right? legacy, Trulli's legacy lives on. But I don't course. think he's doing anything 
he's doing something special for his age, 100%. But do I think he's doing anything special? Not at the moment. Like, you beat Schumacher in an era when there was that tyre change going over to Bridgestones and Schumacher and Ferrari didn't account for that. You know, they were completely at sea in 2005. 2006 um, was a little bit different, but once again, Schumacher was right on it up until Brazil, if I remember correctly, where he had that issue. So for myself, you're a double world champion and you're great. Go on as if you're the best driver that the world's ever seen, and I can't respect that. Um, so that's, to me, why he's the most overrated in recent history, for sure. Um, his history, oh, controversial once again, because I, I was going to do a feature on him before this whole stuff came to light. Nelson Piquet. I, 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 I'm going to be honest, right? I actually agree. I agree. Genuinely. Right? Hear me out. Nigel Mansell's a much better driver than Nelson Piquet ever 100%. was. 100%. Facts. Mansell had so much bad luck compared to yeah. PK. I will literally get up, right, 1987 F1 season. Mansell had so much bad luck compared to PK. Like, it's ridiculous. You had the, the tyre failing in Australia. Yeah. You had um, the Japanese crash for... Um, I've got it up right now. In the whole season of 1987, um, Nelson PK had one... Two retirements, three if you count Japan, Mansell had four and missed two races of the whole season. PK missed one in San Marino, but Mansell missed more races than PK did and had one extra retirement. He finished 12 points behind in the championship. And then you had, of course, 1986, where he had the tire failure, where he would have become a world champion. I mean, he was such, he was such an unlucky driver. This is, this is the thing. I, I I think as much as Nelson PK is a three-time world champion, context is everything, like you mentioned, Liam, and I, I think a lot of the time we, we just tend to look at the stats. And it's often... Well, I say we. I'm talking wider F1 world, but we're looking at stats and we're thinking, okay, what was this season like for that driver and for their team? But also for the red. But did the rest of the good stand a chance? You know, it's like as if... It's as if me saying that 2014 was one of Lewis's best seasons. It wasn't because the engine dominance was there. And that's me saying it as a massive Lewis fan. I can't justify that. But was 2018 one of his best? Absolutely. Because he smoked everyone, including his teammate. So I'm, I'm with you 100%. 100%. And just to interject as well, guys, I think really great shouts there too. And you guys kept it respectful too. I'm not going to lie. I thought you guys were going to go really in. But, you know, we kept it peaceful for now but no I, I agree with both of what you guys said you know in relation to Fernando Alonso I think as a driver yeah you know he's achieved some amazing things you know we talk about kind of him ending Michael Schumacher's dominant era then obviously things didn't work out for him so well when he when he moved over to Ferrari so you know he, he went to well he went actually back he got back with his ex-girlfriend he went back to McLaren and then had another you know kind of like uh, unceremonious uh, stint with them with the Honda power supplies and then you know the guy kind of steps up F1 for a bit he jumps into you know um, world endurance and does like Le Mans wins you know the the Le Mans kind of like uh title as well although how be it with Toyota in in the car that's the most dominant car so when people like to use this argument that x drivers only good because they win an x amount of car I guess you could apply that logic also to Alonso winning in Le Mans and 
the only competitive car that was ever going to win the race. But, you know, he's mm. gone and done some Dakar rallying and it's all cool. Like, I think if you're talking about like a driver that wants to be the complete package and try and show that they're the most well-rounded, fair play. But in terms of like doing it in F1 today, there are times where I think you see elements of like brilliance. And I think the other times you're just like, this guy's annoying. He's just like a <laughs> smell that continues to linger. So I think you're completely spot on. And then, you know, uh, Liam as well was spot on too with the whole Nelson PK thing and how, Obviously, the, the number of titles he has kind of says something for the history books. But in terms of him being like a cherished world champion, I don't think he would be even in the top 10 most likable world champions in the sport when you look at No, he'd it, be, be dead last. Like, even like even, <laughs> James, even James Hunt, who was literally like a playboy and a bit of a misogynist, would be ahead of him. So there you go. <laughs> true. I mean, it says everything there. That's so true. That's so true. So, guys, we'll roll on to the next one then, which is on a similar theme. So, we've done who's the most overrated driver in Formula One, but now. Gilles Villeneuve. Most underrated driver, Gilles Villeneuve. Nah, nah, Rich again, Burr. Rich again, Burr. <laughs> well, I actually wasn't even going to go down that lane either, Liam. I was going to go down the even more like controversial route. Who's the worst driver of all time in F1? Oh, history <laughs> evil dens coming out here you can see i'm in my villain uh, right, era right. today <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is this is ridiculously easy <laughs> al al peace 1969 canadian grand prix he was disqualified for being too slow so that's all you need to know ricardo ross it was bad uge day was bad but this guy in the words of that meme from well, i don't know what was it spongebob this guy stinks <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh like a big shout out there liam as well to our because again wasn't he canadian by the way yes he was he, i think where is it with born... canadian drivers and being at the back of the crib <laughs> he, he was actually born in uh county durham apparently in, in england <laughs> Hey, we're not claiming him. He, to us, he's Canadian. Like, let's just get that in there. You know, he could he could stick with Stroll and definitely Latifi with that kind of track record as well. But yeah, some honourable shouts there for sure, Liam. Uh, Miles, who would you say is your like the, the worst F one driver? Of, like, the and, and you can't you, you can't you can't say Al. I can't say Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, maybe Adrian Campos, if I if I leave it. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, I think I think that's that's a fair one. That's a fair one. Yeah. How do you get disqualified for getting your for forgetting your airplugs? Like, Is that a thing? Jesus. Yeah. Yes, that actually <laughs> happened. Like when he was at Minardi, it's just like you've got your big break, you've got your opportunity to shine on the world stage, regardless of whether it's for a small team, big team, a huge constructor. Do something with it. <laughs> Don't waste your chance. This is your only chance. And I think he was really unlucky if I remember correctly as well. Um, if, yeah, if, he was as, if he was as good at town spotting as he was at driving, then he probably would have won a race. But, yes. you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. He seems like an incredible talent manager. But yeah, as a driver, did. it just yeah. wasn't for him, it seems. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's my, that's my pick. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, we, we talk about drivers that then become driver managers that then become driver owners, you know, in terms yeah. of, well, obviously, McLaren, I think it's probably the biggest and the most obvious one, but you've got Chip Ganassi on the American side of things, you've got Trevor Penske. Carlin, Penske, Penske as well, 
Yes. Exactly, Roger Penske. There's just so many names in, in the world of motorsport, and you know, some um, of them actually start off as drivers and then thing. But yeah, go, go on, Liam. And and not not many people know this, but um, Colin Chapman was actually a racing driver. So was Bernie Ecclestone. Yeah. They they both actually tried to compete in Formula One races. Bernie didn't uh, qualify for the 1958 Monaco Grand Prix, and um, Colin Chapman did qualify for the French Grand Prix in 1956, but he caused a, an accident with Mike Hawthorne, so he didn't start the race because the car was all thing it up and that was how he met jim clark because they uh were both competing in a in a race at brands hatch uh in lotuses so hey you see how everything happens in for a reason because as much as i actually wouldn't mind seeing colin chapman behind the wheel he's a really tall guy as well like just him as like an engineer and stuff he did with like you know the the floors and side skirts and, and kind of like the venturi effect even in the early days you know of his works was it was incredible you know and it, it and... really formed what formula one is today and also the underrated aspect of him was also that he was an incredible mark. He was incredible at marketing. You know, the, the reason why the whole Cosworth thing started was because he managed to get Ford's, Ford to back the Cosworth team. And without that, Lotus would probably have half as many world championships because the DFV engine would never have been created. By the way, I saw the original drawing design for that, but um, that's just a bit of a brag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't steal it, Liam. Man, we we want some of that intellectual property, you know, for for the for the upcoming seasons. Because uh, if Ferrari or Mercedes could develop a more powerful power unit to catch up with a uh, Red Bull, I, I'd happily take that. So, uh, yeah, man. Next time you go to that museum or where you saw the drawings, just, just make sure you do us a favor and uh, just just pick it up on the sly. But no, yeah. I mean, all, all, all they'd have to do is just develop it into a into a um, turbo hybrid V6 engine because the DFE was a V8 that was naturally aspirated, but, you know. Adrian knew he would always find a way. Adrian knew he always finds a way. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, the FIA are so concerned with people's pants and jewelry these days, I don't think they'd be even too bothered. So I, I say we do it, guys, man. We need to sign that petition, either bring back the V10s or bring back the V8s. It's about time. As, as Sebastian Vettel would say, bring back the effing V12s. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, remember, I just remember that. That was, uh, that that was kind of such like radio message Sochi, Sochi twenty nineteen. He was on. He was on course to do well in that race as well. Yeah. Maybe you'd have uh, fifty four Grand Prix victories rather than fifty three. But uh, that's how racing hey, goes, I guess. A nice number, man. Like it just reminds me of Herbie straight away. Guys. Oh, Herbie's amazing. That film this was was this all the different iterations of it as well. And to see a Volkswagen Beetle smoke everybody on the circuit, I just love that. That's incredible. <laughs> you know, what? I'm 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 surprised they didn't didn't give the number sixty three because that was like the year that the car came out. But um, fifty three is a good number nonetheless. My favorite number is sixty three. But you know. That's, that's just... So now you definitely have to be a George Russell supporter as well. No, nah, no, nah, it's Jim Clark. It's Jim Clark reasons. <laughs> I love that. Okay, guys, next one. And this is one that's a bit more common on the podcast, so you guys might be familiar with it. Taxi, dinner, avoid. Now, again, because we've actually brought in some historic drivers, some legendary drivers, some iconic drivers... I'm not going to be as mean as I usually am to most of the guests. I'm going to let you pick anybody from any generation. Bearing in mind, you can't pick the people that you've already used. So, sorry, Jim okay. Clark, you won't be coming uh, coming with us for dinner you know, on this occasion. But I will say, um, who would you guys pick if you had to go into town? So you had to get a particular driver of your choice to pick you up. 
you had to then go and have dinner with a driver of your choice and then there's one driver hey you're trying to avoid them you know like uh yeah, just, you're just trying to avoid them like how Lewis tries to avoid Max at the apex of most corners. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Mercedes, Mercedes fans will be launching a defamation suit against you. Um, oh, that will yeah. be led. That will be led by F1 Jordan and Brad Philpott. But um, yeah. <laughs> shout out to them too, amazing guys. But oh man, <laughs> just the amount of heat they bring to the Twitter log as well. They, they, I love they to get see they get the they get the award for um biggest Mercedes propagandists. <laughs> they, they are they are what Joseph Goebbels was to the Nazi Party. That's all I'm saying. Whoa, I can't I can't go behind that one, but I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so Miles, actually start off with you then. Who are you going to pick for your taxi dinner and avoid on this occasion? Do they have to be an F1 driver? Question. Uh, y- yes, okay, but cool. uh, if you had any interesting other shouts, throw them in the ring, man, because I'm, I'm being generous now. Okay. Taxi, Michael Schumacher, because I hey. feel like there's a lot to glean from him and he'll be quite quick with his words to just literally give you everything you want to know and be like, leave me alone. Either him or Kenny. But- by the by the way, don't waste time on ninety four Adelaide. That wasn't even his fault. Like Damon came from like a mile back. I'm sorry, but right, right. I'm being honest, right? It's like it's like I'm I'm beginning to be unpopular, right? That wasn't even Michael's fault. Ninety seven, absolutely, but you know, Jack real enough. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, taxi Michael, uh, dinner. Wait, so what is it? Taxi dinner avoid. Right? Okay, cool. yeah. Huh. Um, dinner would be. Oh. No, Kimmy would be too. I, I couldn't get a word out of Kimmy. I would try. Um, <laughs> Man, you just be eating ice cream. I'm just going, what? <laughs> Literally. Um, and then he'll go to the toilet and come back. He said, uh, hey, I was having a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the speech by Pele. <laughs> Literally. Um, you know what? I'm going to be slightly controversial. And I would say dinner would be someone like Nick Highfield, for example. Or... That'd, that'd be a good one, yeah. So I feel like he'd be a good conversationalist. Um, or dare I say Nico Rosberg, and I'm not saying this as a Rosberg fan. I'm really not. The reason I say he, Nico he, Rosberg... He, minimum five times you'll mention about how he, uh, he beat Lewis in the same car. I am oh, yeah. Nico Rosberg, 2016 world champion, and I beat 17-time <laughs> world champion Lewis Hamilton <laughs> in the same car in the 2016 FIA Formula 1 season. But between him and George, I'm not sure who says grace the full-time more, but... Um, Blimey. Yeah, crikey. <laughs> crikey. Um, <laughs> he's trying to drive like he's saving his life. Yes, he oh. is, George. He doesn't have a seat for next season. <laughs> but you know, I, I think, yeah, no, I think I think Nico would be interesting because I'd want to understand what exactly it took for him to beat Lewis, but also how he encounters the resilience. Because let's, let's face it, like he beat Michael when Michael wasn't um, at his peak for Palace. Lewis eased off the gas from Cota, I think it was 2015. And then uh, Nico sort of got the jump on him and, and went on a, a bit of a tear. Plus, mechanics changed garages, but apparently that didn't happen. So I'm not taking that into account. But my point is, I'd be keen to find out how he got the mental fortitude to keep on coming back with the same energy and vim, as opposed to doing a Bottas, who I, I like somewhat, and just sort of laying down a bit. So that would be good. Um, avoid. Ooh, I'm trying to get into the paddock. You know, we've seen a lot of stuff over the last couple of days. I'm trying to get in, so I've got to be getting with this one. Um, I can't use... Oh, damn it. I can't use Nelson Piquet. Okay. 
Ah, ah, I was gonna say, I was, I would, I would have said him because that's, that's the you thing don't need one, to right? avoid. You don't need that's to avoid him. Really you don't need, <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't need to avoid him in the paddock because he's been banned. So. Um, I don't, I don't. Hmm. I mean, you'll have to avoid Kelly and Max, but you know, you know, that's that's not. You know what? I wouldn't even avoid Max. I'd want to understand how his psyche works from a perspective of putting number one on your car and stuff. But that's a whole different topic. Um, I mean, Lewis did that a couple of times. He didn't put it for the whole season, but he did it a couple of times in Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, gold boots, man. Gold, really? Like, gold boots. You got boots. Like, last year was an asterisk. Like, and you're putting gold. Okay. Like, man, you, the only golden boot you know? I like, like, is Benzema. That's it. Gold, gold, oh. Golden boot. Yeah, yeah. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Like, Miroslav Closer or Joss Fontaine oh. or someone like that? Like, winning the golden boot. <laughs> Seriously, so right? Just Fontaine's the most un. Just Fontaine is literally like the Richie Ginther of, of, of football. He's so underrated, man. Like literally, go Google Richie Ginther. He was a really, really good driver. There's a reason why Ferrari hired him. That's all I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? So it's the Mar- I'll, I'll I'll make your life easier. Just pick Mazepin, man, as as the person who you should you should avoid. Just I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't count that dude at all. Like he can. He can <laughs> No, because of how he, he is towards women, he can drive them. Um, fair, <laughs> I don't even know him. He doesn't exist. Um, he lives rent-free in all of our heads. But, I know. Uh... He's actually making money off us. Uh, but no, you're right, <laughs> Um Yeah, probably Nikita Madison. Fair, fair. Liam, taxi, dinner, avoid. Who are you picking? Right. Like, straight actually, away. you can't pick any of the guys which you mentioned before. Right, straight away dinner, Mario Andretti. I was saying to myself Ooh. this a couple nights ago, right? If I had to interview three people, Jackie Stewart would be first, Mario Andretti would be second, and um, three living people anyway. And third, I would go with Alan Prost. But, you know, I think Alan Prost for the taxi, um, for the dinner, Mario Andretti, and I would try and avoid... Gosh, this is tricky. <sighs> try and avoid... Um... I am gonna go with. I, I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone. Bernie Ecclestone. That's it. Bernie Ecclestone, and he ooh, counts because he counts because yeah. he was a driver. He was a driver. He didn't qualify for a race, but he is a he was a driver. So <laughs> fair chances, fair chances, and Uncle Uncle Bernie. Yeah, interesting <laughs> character, man. Uncle Bernie. Just, we we, uh... we, we put, put, slap on some sunglasses, and uh, you'll be having weekend at Bernie's. Exactly, with the rose tinted uh, like glasses as well, and you know, just the the kind of like bowl cut too. Just yeah, but Bernie's can I just... can I can I tell like a quick story? Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so Alan Jones was meeting with Enzo Ferrari, and he and when he met Enzo, Enzo was like a really really like pale, and he and he said and he said he thought to himself because uh, uh, he had sunglasses on. Are we playing weekend at Bernie's here? <laughs> Um, and he had a meeting with him, and in the end, he ended up picking Gio Villeneuve as a driver. That he didn't regret. He wouldn't have regretted that. But Alan became a world champion, um, but uh, and and Gio didn't. But uh, Alan Jones is actually quite a funny guy. He'd be one of the guys you'd probably want to take out to dinner because he's quite a funny guy. So absolutely, you know, and his time at Williams as well, I think, was really cool, and, and what he was able to do with Frank too when they got those championships in those years as well with the ground effect cars and. Yeah, again, this really awesome guy. So, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one as well, Liam. Good choices. You know, so that brings us on to the next one then. Hot lap circuit and driver. So, like, as, you know, denoted by the very simple kind of introduction there, you guys have to pick a hot lap circuit and a driver, an F1 driver, 
that will take you for a hot lap of that circuit. Ayrton Senna, um, Monaco, Ayrton Senna, Monaco, done. That's mine done. I got there before you could. I got there. <laughs> Damn it. I was trying. I couldn't even put the exclusion on there, but fair enough. Yeah. I'll let you have that. <laughs> you in there like Lightning McQueen. All right, I'll give you that one, Liam. How about you, Miles? Speed. I am speed. Ka-chow. One Pablo Montoya, Spa, 05. Ooh, I like another thing as well. Miles, 1988 right? as well. 1988 for yeah. me, because then 1.5 seconds ahead of Prost. All I'm saying. Oof. Talk about it. But also, like Miles as well. You mentioned like Montoya at uh, at Spa. Like that video. I think there's a video. Yeah. Like guys, I implore <laughs> like the fans as well to go and watch it at Spa. The V10 McLaren going up a Rouge. You hear the thing before you can even see the car going through a rouge. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, oh, just as the, the engine just reverberates off all the trees on either side of the circuit. And as well as that, it's just like they do these kind of cut shots of Montoya's lap and then Kimi in the garage. And Kimi's just like not smiling. He's like, don't smile, don't smile. I'm finished. I'm not allowed to show emotion. Don't smile. And then at the end, like Montoya does this blistering lap and then Kimi just cracks a smile like... Okay, okay. You got me this time, Pablo. You yeah. got me this time. That was that was a good lap, but no, just the oh man, that'd be thrilling. That'd be amazing. Yeah, it, it, it would be for me. It's either that or I know I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record. Um, but dare I say, finished by that, which he didn't. Max Verstappen, <laughs> Saudi Arabia last year. Man, like I'll be fair, to say, I, I echo the same points on that too. Like, if he had just not been greedy, like, like, like in the great words of Big Smoke from GTA San Andreas, all he had to do, Max, was turn the final corner. That's all he had to do. But all we know. had to do was make the damn corner, Max. He <laughs> throttle at the right time. Man, he had too many number fives, number nine, extra six, extra dip, and that's why Red Bull are over the cost cap. Anyway, before I get sued for defamation again, <laughs> before I get sued by Christian Horner and those guys there, yeah, just oh man, like, like Miles, talk us through that again, man, because for Hamilton, I was like, raw, like Hamilton's going as quickly as he can. And it might just be enough, but then yeah. when I see Max like like literally dashing the car through every single corner, sparks flying everywhere from the underfloor, I was like, "Yikes! This this is scary." Yes, Talk us I... through that, Miles, from your perspective when you watch that live. I can't lie, and I'm gonna sound a bit like, a, "Oh, of course you you thought that." I thought he was gonna bin it. Mm. I actually thought. Oh, he did was you? Bin it. He was way too aggressive in sector one. Way it was like... too aggressive. It was it was like um me when I was watching the the Euros final a couple of years ago and I was and I was looking at and no it wasn't Euros final sorry it was Mbappe against Switzerland and the way his stance was I was just like he's gonna miss yeah. it he's gonna miss it the keeper's gonna save it and Jan Sommer saved it it's a bit like that like you can tell when someone's going over the limit or when they're going under the limit in in the football case and like you can sort of preempt when something's gonna happen in a way with certain drivers. Yeah, it just, it just didn't feel... Don't get me wrong, I was rooting for Lewis that day. I was like, you know what, Lewis, smoke him, bring it to Abu Dhabi, and then we all saw the uh, yeah, absolute heinous amount of crimes that were committed on track um, the very next day. But Max, as much as he wanted that, that, I felt like he could have even backed off a little bit, maybe taken second. He could have still possibly taken first, you know, a second purple sector after purple sector. And it got to that last sector where it's all about the... Uh, 
the driver, apparently, um, <laughs> to, to use an infamous quote. And he didn't manage to, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think he lost the rear. And then, if I'm correct in thinking, as if he scraped the ground enough, and then the four started to wobble from the front as well. So as if the front and rear suspension weren't in tandem with each other, and then absolute crank into the wall. Of course, it's the greatest lap of all time, and blah, blah, blah. But if he had finished that lap, to me, that would have been a lap which I would have wanted to be in a passenger car or a sidecar on. Because to be that close to separating yourself from reality, it almost reminds me of that Lewis uh, Singapore 18 lap. It reminds me of that Senna lap around Monaco. It reminds me of those street circuits we just don't know. Seb, Singapore 2013 as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the thing. It's, It's those tight, twisty tracks on the street circuit where it's... Dare I say, do or die? You know, and it's nothing to separate you from from yourself and the car. It's literally, I don't want to use that phrase, but it's it's sort of a wall. If you get where I'm coming from, so yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I don't like the dude, but he can drive. He can drive. Yeah, no, we we have to give him credit for that. As much as you know, like that's the thing. We we don't say that we're like a non-biased podcast. We have our favorites, but at the same time as well, there's nothing wrong with giving a guy his credit. You know, when he does the job, and you know, I think at least this year, like you know, although there is a lot of stuff off the circuit, which we'll find out about in a couple of weeks' time, I imagine it's the FIA cook up a concoction as to what they do. Um, they'll you know, they'll probably matured. somehow screw that up as well, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as as they do, Liam, as they do, but. In terms of Max, no, I think he's matured. I think that's as much as, you know, that's the very minimum we can give him. He's grown up, he's matured. You know, he's still got that kind of innate, nasty kind of streak to him where if he has to do something out of the rule book, he can fully do it. But at the same yeah, time... Yeah, but Senna was, Senna was like that as well, to be fair. Where, like, mm-hmm. like Senna was... He was he was quite... An, Senna was a polarising figure because he was a really, really kind person. You know, he saved Eric Colmas's life and yet he was he risked Alan Prost's life um, in Suzuka, you know? And I'm not talking about 89, I'm talking about 1990. Um, yes. But, you know, I think Max has, got, uh, Max has got that similar sort of trait in him. I think he's matured a lot and I think he's, he's a lot more... Um, He's, he's matured a lot, like I said, and you know he's a lot of uh, he's a lot more of a respectable, respectable figure nowadays than he was a couple of years ago, for example, when he nearly assaulted Esteban Ocon um, after the, the Brazil incident. And I think he's matured a lot since then. I don't know if whether that's because his dad's given him a kick up the the butt. Not the only time that his dad's done that, by the way, unfortunately. <laughs> Shots. Um, I'm gonna get defamation from him now. But, um, <laughs> he, he's gonna find my IP address. He's gonna hunt me down, and he's gonna um, assault me probably. Um, if I'm being honest, but you know what? I'm I don't even care. I'm I'm here to speak the truth, and the truth is, Max Verstappen's matured a lot. Maybe it's because Christian Horner, Helmut Marco have plugged something into him, or maybe his dad has. Or maybe you know it's 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 a sort of peer thing. Maybe Daniel Ricardo somehow has gotten something into him, some sense. I mean, who knows? Who knows where Max has gained that maturity from, and where like that that cool head. I agree. I think it's a it's it's a new Max. Um, and I think I said this when I was chatting to Cameron a couple of weeks back. Whether that Max stays when Lewis is back at his peak in terms of with. Uh, being at one of the car, we're yet to see. And I think that's a, a talking point for us to think about in the future. 
Oh, absolutely, Mars. And, you know, to, to, to kind of add to that, too, I think, yeah, like we, we definitely see him in terms of his racecraft and his decision making. It's got to a level where he makes more rational decisions. However, you know, a leopard never changes their spots. And what I do like, or not like, but what I find funny with Max is he's still got that kind of this guy could go from being the coolest guy ever completely like flipping his lid and dropping Shoot. about 20 f-bombs in singapore when red bull under fuel the car because them guys yeah. don't have enough money for like uh... petrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they blew they blew they blew it all on catering they blew it all on catering lads exactly um, man you know all those number but... nines and number sixes we talked about they weren't going to come at a cheap rate <laughs> no nah, no nah, but like like schumacher at 98 spa levels um, I, I maintain that that was deliberate from Coulthard, by the way. I maintain that that was deliberate. Shumi deserved the title in 98. That's just my opinion, though. That gave us a really awesome moment. Like, we can actually talk about that as well, Liam. Like, jeez, did you see Michael's face when he's like, you want to kill me? And then he goes up to David Coulthard and tries you, to you, you effing idiot. It was a bit like, like Montoya when the guy hit, yeah. him, hit him with the camera. <laughs> he was like, you king idiot. You king idiot. You hurt my king headers. Like, like, I remember like DC actually like immortalized that moment and he said, oh, if because if, someone hit him on the head with the camera and he was like, if I was Montoya, I'd be going, oh, you king idiot, you king idiot. <laughs> like, it was just, oh, us Scots, man, we're something else. We're something else. Honestly, you guys really are. But it, it, you guys have given us so much entertainment and this kind of this moment where you're like, wow, like that was actually a thing that happened. Or like, you know, yeah. just these things that we look back on and we just have to laugh on. So we, we, give the, we, give, we give the English some entertainment at Bannockburn as well. So, um, Scotland <laughs> <laughs> Independence 2023. Come on. Let's go. I don't, I don't like the SNP, but still, like, come on, up the independence. Up the hey. independence. I want to want to get away to from the mess the mess that is the British government. Like, Chancellor being sacked after like a month, it's just ridiculous. But you know that's politics. That's not racing related. But <laughs> well, sometimes let me say that. But sometimes it feels like racing is politics with the sort of stuff we see on and off the circuit. But you know, like it, it's true. It's true. There's just so many parallels you could draw between the two. And actually. On that kind of segue, that brings us on to the next question, guys, which is the last of the interactive questions before I kind of delve into some of the content you both of you guys have made. And then we do our top 20, which I think Georgina will probably split into a separate video. But all right, I'm going to actually start with Liam on this one. Actually, yeah, I'm going to start with Liam on this one. Liam, you have to make a Netflix series about a rivalry in F1 that hasn't already been covered. Which rivalry would you cover? I would go with. I'm just trying to think of of one because it's it's quite it's quite um tricky. Um, PK v Mansell comes to mind because of what PK said about Mansell's wife. But then you've got on the other side of the spectrum, and this isn't just like like two drivers; it's actually three. The the whole '64 season between um, Graham Hill for brm john Surtees for ferrari and jim clark for lotus like the, the, that was such a huge huge rivalry and yet they all got on brilliantly off off the track of course like jim and graham were really good friends um but if i had to differ between which one of them the 64 one wouldn't be as popular so i would go with mansell versus pk 
that would be a fiery one miles before it to you which netflix oh. uh like rivalry would you cover and also i know that with you you might have to dip fairly soon so oh, another question i know right but we will get you back on for future episodes as well man both of you guys have been phenomenal both of you guys need to come back in the future but would you as well miles actually whilst we do the rivalry thing also mm-hmm. wanted to discuss you know at will as well you made a really interesting video on your channel and i'd recommend our listeners go and check it out as well along with all the Gosh. other content <laughs> <laughs> you know you made a video like called three reasons why daniel ricardo deserves to stay Oof. you know so it's a two nah. kind of double barreled question but we'll go with the first and then the second rivalry that hasn't been covered that you'd want to see on netflix and direct and three reasons why Daniel Ricardo should stay in F1 for the people that haven't seen that video yet. Go. Calm. So, rivalry. Uh, Sergio Perez versus Esteban Ocon. They... That, 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 that's a good one, actually. That's a really at, good one. I should have thought at, of that. At Force India Fashion Racing Point, there was this... They, they probably bankrupted the team. They probably yeah. bankrupted the team by how many crashes they had. Like, and then Checo saved them and Lauren Stroll left them in the, in the mud. Do not show Aston Martin or anyone Aston Martin this video because I will probably be some sort of thingy by them. But, you know, I'm just being no. honest. No, I mean, you're, you're, not, you're not wrong. Like, I, I think with, with Checo, he... Checo was always one of those underrated racers, right? He would end up on the podium at Monaco. He'd end up at the, on the podium elsewhere. And... He would sort of drag these midfield when it was a proper um, cars up into like these really unexpected point finishes. And everyone banged on about the fact he was like a sort of pay driver. But then he had Esteban Ocon come in, who I think is quite underrated, but that's a, that's a different video. And he would effectively bring a competitive streak and a fiery nature, which was similar to, um, dare I say, Max almost. And I think that's why at Brazil they had that off track. Um, as well as on it. When they started getting really close, like in Canada, and this is that raising point, or Force India back then with the pink car, uh, when they started getting close at Canada, and then I think Perez nearly pushed Ocon into the wall at Spa on the way up to um, Orange. You're thinking, what is going on? Like, do these two, are these two trying to kill each other or something? It got that testy on, on track for me throughout that season, or that season, the two seasons together. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see a Netflix series on that. Going to your point, then, about um, Dan Ricardo. One, he's rapid. I do not care what anyone says about the McLaren and, you know, uh, Landon Norris can drive it, adaptability. Fair enough. I hear that. But the dude has won nine races. Eight races, or no, nine. And these times, so it's cut you as well there, Miles. Lando Norris, nil. Okay, continue, sorry. <laughs> I, I will get into the paddock, man, so I've got to be careful with the phrasing. But all I'm saying is, Lando stuck it on pole, but he hasn't won. And... However, however, the, the, the counterpoint I would make is that the Red Bull cars that Daniel drove were much, much more competitive than the McLaren cars that Lando's ever driven. You know, the fastest car that Lando's ever driven is probably one that he driven at Daytona with Alonso. So that's that's my counter argument to that. But you know, that's just my opinion. Also, Lando's had like half as many races or less than Ricardo. But you know, that's just my opinion. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I I agree from the perspective of what car um what cars Lando's driven. But I think one thing which came up in a race article, I think it was like yesterday or the day before, where Daniel was saying these are the only cars that Lando's known. I think that does bear some 
some sort of weight because he hasn't moved, let's say, like, to a different engineering structure. He hasn't had to deal with um, a completely different environment and trying to build up a completely different car. Yes, he's had different teammates like Carlos and he's, dare I say, worked his way through a technical um, regulation change quite successfully. Right? He got the podium at Emily and he's been doing well. But Daniel is still pretty rapid. He's still got ex- really good race pace on occasion. Um, we saw it at places. We've seen it at uh, Baku when there's been uh, team orders. We've seen it um, at Kota last year. We saw it at Imola. Uh, not Imola, sorry, Monza. So for me, it's not like it's left him, but it's a suitability issue mixed with, conf- with a lack of confidence. I think lack of confidence is something that we don't give drivers enough credit for. And I think that's mm-hmm. one reason as to why, or a second reason as to why Daniel deserves to be in F1. And three, yes, I spoke about personality in, in my video. Put that aside because every driver needs personality now to be a success, I think. But he's got this level of engagement both with others within the sport, but also with a wider audience taking Netflix out of it. And I'm talking about presenters, journalists, um, editors, where he gives an insight into the race of mind that not many do. Right, rather rightly or wrongly, I'm not saying he's technical in any uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but in terms of understanding how a driver approaches their weekend, you can understand whether he's going to have a good qualifying session, whether he actually thinks the race is going to be pretty crap or poor, whether he thinks you know he's got an actual shot of winning a race, despite that potentially being misguided belief. And I think having that level of insight and access to which, don't get me wrong, Lewis doesn't do anymore because he's he's hyper focused, Max can't do. I think we've seen K-Mag do it a few times, as well as Mick, but Mick's not a great reference point at this point. So I think having that barometer is always helpful, and that's why I think you should stay in F1. I think like, the two people who could probably do what Dan, the, the, the only other person who can really do what Danny Rick does in the way of like being really, really good with the, like, the media and stuff is um, Sebastian Vettel, probably. Yes. Because he's, he's, he's probably like... He, him and Daniel both have like these, these amazing personalities, and... Daniel is just such an entertaining guy. Um, but then you have to differ that from his on-track performances recently, which haven't been great. But, you know, that's just, again, sure. my opinion. People have different opinions of it. And, you know, Miles has a different opinion to me. But, you know, that's just what we all we all, we all have different opinions on that sort of stuff. No, don't, don't get me wrong, Liam. I'm, I'm not saying he's been, he's been great on track. He hasn't. He's been poor. Like, I will, I'll be the first person to hold out because I think that's wrong of me to accompany that like the last two years haven't been great you can't just close one deal and then rely on that for like 18 19 months but i do think his body of work before that should give him some sort of leeway given the fact that he went to renault and cyril abertor at the time um was saying that if it wasn't for his uh, technical feedback on the rear suspension they would have never had the sort of car for 2020 that's where i sort of have that still or I, let's say that's why I still hold that same level of hope. Like if Daniel can get a car that suits him, and I think Christian Horner actually spoke about this, and um, Jos Verstappen, ironically, and I don't quote that dude often, or if, if at all. Um, <laughs> he was saying it in a, an article that uh, Planet F1 reported on, and I thought, you know what? That's the only time I'm, ag- I'm going to agree with you. Not because I want Daniel to succeed, but because I think it's an inherent part of the, the issue at the moment. But that's just me. You know, yeah, I... I- so, sorry, sorry. Go on, um, I think the exact same thing could be said about Sebastian Vale as well. Yeah, he has course. a car with a stable back end, and he's probably going to become a five-time F1 champion if he has the right machinery behind him, the right people. Um, 
But then again, you could probably say the same thing. Like, oh, if, if Latifi had the McLaren MP44, uh, he'd probably become world champion. <laughs> My guy would crush that as well. <laughs> could you imagine a repair bill on one of those? <laughs> oh, oh dear Ron, 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 Den- Ron Dennis would have been uh, would have been would not have been happy <laughs> he'd have made him that's pay that mildly. Him himself <laughs> <laughs> nah but yeah I, I I hear what you're saying about this EP. I, I think there's certain there's a certain class of drivers who can jump into any car and do well you know we've seen it and I know I sounded him a little bit earlier but Fernando Alonso uh Max, to a degree, I want to see him in another car in his career and then really sort of make a judgment at the end. Um, I think Jim Clark is the greatest when it comes to that. Like, he won, I think he won Formula Two, British Touring Cars, nearly won Formula One, yeah, and the Tasman series all in one year. And I think he he won a crazy amount of the races he competed in, which is. Mental. Sterling Moss was the same. Sterling Moss was another one who was who raced on a lot of different things and and won. Um, so the, I think dri- you see it more common with drivers of the past and current drivers because obviously back in the 1950s and the 60s, drivers competed at Le Mans, Indianapolis, and competed in Formula One at the same time. Yeah. Um, whereas nowadays, you know, the, the only person to have done that in the last almost 40 years um, to compete at Le Mans and in Formula One in the same year. Um, barring, uh, no, sorry, an IndyCar, sorry, uh, and the Indy 500, but it's Fernando Alonso. A few people have yes. done Le Mans. Nico Hulkenberg did it. Yeah. Um, so did Fernando. I meant to say it, uh, Indianapolis 500, because I think there was like a, a really crazy statistic. The last guy who did Indianapolis and F1 in the same year uh, before Fernando Alonso was Teo Fabi in 1984, which, yeah. if you can't do math, 34 year difference, which That's is absolutely mental. Yeah, yeah, here it is. The event featured Fernando Alonso, the first active Formula One World Championship driver to contest the race since Teo Fabi in 1984. So there you insane. go. Absolutely mental. Absolutely. But Miles, you know, before you shoot off, man, like, because again, I think you gave some really valid explanations and, and reasons and that. And also, that's just, that's just the, like, the, you know, the cherry on top of the cake, man. Like, the content you make on your channel is sensational. So I implore all of our listeners to go and check, you know, obviously the Miles on the Grid channel on YouTube. You're too kind. You're way too kind. <laughs> bro, like, any time at all, man. And like, we need to get you and Leon back on our future episodes. But yeah, I know you've got a dip right now man so are there any other final words you wanted to say could you also plug like your social medias too for our listeners to go and check you out as well georgina will obviously put out the links as well when the episode comes out but uh please mars man I'll, I'll give you the floor as well before you have to go yeah final final thoughts um georgina and dens are amazing hosts so if you haven't watched stripping the Dippin before and you're, you're sort of wasting time by not having done so um, agreed absolutely liam is a I say a titan of knowledge so if you don't know about f1 if you want to learn about f1 if you're new to the sport and i say that for a reason follow liam on his youtube channel look up for me and there's a swell thank 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 you miles thank you miles go go subscribe to to miles's youtube channel as well brilliant content on there i'm i i like what i do but you're when it when it comes to like races i had to i was like i looked him up straight away of course like 
for me for you it comes naturally i had to remember and i had to remind myself so i appreciate that um and in terms of my socials uh, so i'm on twitter under f1 miles i was on the grid so on youtube uh, apple Podcasts, spotify uh google Podcasts, all that good stuff um but yeah no it's been an absolute pleasure to to join you all, all here um and continue to to support the show i'll, I'll continue to to watch you guys Oh, thank you so much, Miles. And yeah, just like, you know, we will definitely have more episodes because there's a lot more to unpack. And I think with the uh, the decision, you know, undoubtedly coming out soon, yes, there has to yeah. be kind of like a follow-up. So it would be amazing <laughs> yeah. you more individually, just, you know, however we can, you know, to, to kind of cover that story as and when it does break, man. But Miles, thank you as well for your, for your time. And, you know, we continue to support you and all the amazing work you do as well, man. Thank you, everyone. I'll speak to you all soon. All right, thank you so much, Mars. Right, so guys, if you're still listening, or you should be listening to the Stripping the Dipping podcast, hottest podcast in the world, must I say, it's me and, you know, the legendary Liam Talks Motorsport, you know, to, you know, finish this out. I think what Georgie, what Georgina will do is probably split these into two episodes. So you'll get all the amazing stuff with the, the trio of me, Miles and Liam all cooked into one pot. But then... Me and Liam are also going to do like a side kind of episode here. That's going to be a separate thing.